Well, tonight we're going to continue our study on Ephesians called The Riches of Grace. This is teaching number 33. And our study tonight is entitled Fearlessly Proclaiming the Gospel of Grace. It comes out of Ephesians 6, 19 through 20. And Paul writes, so he's writing this to the church in Ephesus, to the Ephesian believers. He's writing and he's asking them to pray for him. And he says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. When we first read this prayer that Paul's asking and requesting be made for him by the Ephesian believers, it's easy to think that Pray that I won't be afraid to tell people about Jesus. That's not what he's asking here. He's not asking that he become fearless in telling people about Jesus. There's a much deeper issue going on. Paul is communicating a message that is in direct, now I don't want to say conflict, grace has come. And the law has, is no longer in existence. The church has come, and Judaism is no longer in existence. So Paul's communicating a message that the law is gone, Judaism's gone, and the church is now in existence. That was a difficult message to communicate at this time. And for us in the 21st century, it's hard for us to emotionally understand why that would have been such a difficult message. So as we go through this, this prayer, as we, we uncover this prayer, we look, to, we look a little more deeper into this prayer. We're going to understand why Paul was asking that he would be fearless in communicating this message, because in communicating this message, which is the mystery of the gospel. So he's communicating something that no one knew about. He's communicating something new. People knew about Jesus. Peter knew about Jesus. The other disciples knew about Jesus. But this is something that was a mystery. It was a mystery to the 12 disciples. It was a mystery to them that we found out in Ephesians 3. Eventually, the Holy Spirit revealed it to them. So Paul's communicating a message that was a mystery. It was being revealed, but prior to it being revealed to Paul by, by the ascended Jesus, it was concealed. So what was one time concealed, the ascended Jesus revealed it to Paul, and now he's communicating it to the world. So we're going to look at what is this mystery of the gospel that put Paul in such a dangerous place that it would cause his very life to be at risk. So what is the mystery of the gospel for which Paul was an ambassador? Now, an ambassador is speaking on the behalf of another person. So where the ambassador is, the person whom he's speaking for isn't there. Therefore, he's carrying a message and communicating a message on behalf of another person. So Paul is communicating a message on behalf of the ascended Jesus. 
Paul's an ambassador of Jesus. He talks about that in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 21, an ambassador of the new covenant. The old covenant of law is gone. The law of Moses is gone. And the new covenant of grace has come. That wasn't a secret. That wasn't what was concealed because the disciples, Jesus told the disciples that in Matthew 26 and in Luke 20, that the old covenant was being replaced by the new covenant or the Old Testament of law was being replaced by the New Testament of grace. But there's something that Jesus revealed to Paul, which Paul now was communicating on behalf of Jesus, that put him in in a very dangerous place. So he's asking the church in Ephesus to pray for him. Now remember, this church in Ephesus has just read all of the chapters up to chapter six. Now, Paul didn't write in chapters and verses. It was just a letter. Like we would write a letter. We don't write letters in chapters and verses. We just write letters. And Paul had written a letter, but translators to make it easier puts chapters and verses with it. So Paul had written this letter. They had read the entire letter of Paul. They understood what Paul was communicating So when Paul asked them to pray for him that he would make known the mystery of the gospel, they understood what he was talking about. We're going to understand it because we're going to go back and look at it. So what is the mystery of the gospel for which Paul was an ambassador? He's communicating this message on behalf of the ascended Jesus. Well, number one, the mystery of the gospel is the revelation by Jesus to Paul of the gospel of grace which Paul wrote about in Ephesians and in his other letters. So this gospel of grace, Jesus gives this gospel of grace, this full understanding of the gospel of grace to Paul. Paul talks about it in Acts 20, 24, this revelation of the gospel of grace given to me for the Gentiles. He talks about it in Galatians chapter 1, 11 and 12, the gospel of grace given to him by revelation from the ascended Jesus. And then Paul writes here in Ephesians 3, 1 through 5, he talks about the mystery of this revelation. We want to key in on the word mystery in his prayer, because in his prayer he says, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So look in Ephesians 3, 1 through 5. Paul writes, for this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, so he's writing from Rome. He was in prison. I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. That's one of the issues that put him into a very dangerous place. Because if you'll read later on Acts chapter 21, Paul has gone back to Jerusalem. And when he gets back to Jerusalem, the Jewish people are ready to kill Paul. And a matter of fact, they attack Paul and they're seeking to beat him to death when the Roman soldiers step in and save Paul. The moment Paul mentioned that he had been sent to the Gentiles by the ascended Jesus, that's when the Jewish people in Jerusalem attacked Paul when he mentioned the word Gentiles. If it had not been for the Roman soldiers who stepped in, Paul would have died in Jerusalem being beat to death 
by a rioting mob because he mentioned the word Gentiles and that he had been sent by Jesus to be a light to the Gentiles. That gives us a little bit more insight into why Paul was praying that he would fearlessly make known the gospel and also the gospel being the person of Christ in these Gentile cities that he went into. He was in a lot of danger just mentioning the word Jesus as well. But specifically, we're talking about this word mystery, the mystery of the gospel. So Ephesians 3, 1 through 5, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. And then he says, Surely you Gentiles have heard about the stewardship of God's grace, or the responsibility that I have in communicating God's grace to you. Surely you've heard about the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you. So God's grace was given to Paul to give to the Gentiles. Now, how did Paul get the message of grace to communicate to the Gentiles? So we're going to start back with three, Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you've heard about the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, for the Gentiles. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. So that connects to the prayer that Paul's asking for in Ephesians chapter 6, 19 through 20. Pray for me so that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Where did Paul get the mystery of the gospel from? Well, he got it from the ascended Jesus by revelation. It was revealed to Paul. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. He'd written in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2. He was writing about this gospel of grace in those two chapters. Paul said, in reading this, what I've already written in the letter, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, and now I'm in Ephesians 3. In reading this, you will be able to understand my insight, and here's this word mystery again, into the mystery of Christ. That there was more to what Christ did than pay for our sins on the cross, because Isaiah chapter 53 said that Jesus would die for the sins of of people. Uh, Jewish scripture says that Jesus would be buried and he would even rise from the dead. Jewish scripture tells us that Jesus was coming, the kind of person he would be, what he would do, that he would die for the sins of the world and that he would rise from the dead. So that, that none of that was a mystery. But there was something that Jesus gave Paul that no one else knew about. It was this insight into the mystery of Christ. Basically, it's Jew and Gentile in one body. It's bringing Jews and Gentiles together in the family of grace. Now, for us, that doesn't seem like a big deal. It was huge then because there was such a deep divide and there was such deep division and there was such deep hostility between the Jew and the Gentiles. To seek to bring them together in one family of grace put Paul into a very dangerous place where he could easily, easily die for communicating that message.
So Paul goes on to write in verse 4, and reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations. So Paul is communicating a message that was not made known to others in previous generations, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. See, Paul got the revelation directly from Jesus. He spent time with the ascended Jesus. And then after Paul got this revelation of Jew and Gentile in one body, which is part of this gospel of grace, that they were going to not have the law, they wouldn't have to convert to Judaism, that Jew and Gentile was going to be in one family of grace, Eventually, the spirit of Christ in Peter, in the other apostles, prophets, began to give them the revelation that Paul had already received from the ascended Jesus. Okay, that's some background. So we're seeking to understand why Paul would ask for prayer, that he would fearlessly communicate the mystery of the gospel, and we're discovering in Ephesians what the mystery of the gospel is. So this mystery was given to Paul by revelation from Jesus for the Gentiles. All right. We've discovered the mystery of the gospel is the revelation by Jesus to Paul, the gospel of grace that he was to take to the Gentiles, which Paul wrote about in Ephesians and his other letters. So let's continue to examine from Ephesians what the mystery of the gospel is. Number two, the mystery of the gospel is the revelation by Jesus to Paul that Gentiles are equal members of God's family of grace, which Paul writes about in Ephesians 3, 6, and in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. All right, let's start with Ephesians 3, 6. The Gentiles are equal members of God's family of grace with the Jews. Ephesians 3, 6 says, this is Paul writing, This mystery, there's the third use of the word mystery, starting with Ephesians 3, verse 1, down to Ephesians 3, verse 6. It's the third time this word mystery is used, which now is going to give us greater insight into the prayer that Paul was asking to be made for him by the Ephesians. So Ephesians 3, 6, Paul writes, This mystery is that through the gospel, through grace, through what Christ did for us at the cross, The Gentiles are fellow heirs. Notice this word fellow is used three times here. The mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles, that was such a radical message at this time. The Gentiles are fellow heirs with the Jews, fellow members of the body of Christ, this family of God with the Jews, and fellow partakers of the promises that were in Christ, which they were equally to share in the new covenant. They were equally to share in the presence of Christ indwelling them. So this idea, this word fellow, meaning equal to, they were equal heirs. They were equal within the family of God. They were equal partakers of the promises of Christ. That's a radical statement right there. Because for 1,500 years, when the law was first given 
to the Jewish people, and even backing up when God went to Abraham and created the nation of Israel from Abraham and Sarah when they had Isaac, to now say that the Gentiles are equal with the Jews in how they relate to God. That put Paul in a very dangerous place, and you can read about that. Again, we talked about Acts 21, when Paul just mentioned the word Gentiles, and an angry mob began to riot and were beating him to death, and had not the Roman soldiers stepped in, Paul would have died. So it's a very dangerous message to communicate. Fellow heirs, fellow members of the body of Christ, fellow partakers of the promises in Christ Jesus, that the Gentiles were equal with the Jews. Paul explained the mystery of the gospel of grace also in Ephesians 2, 11 through 12. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles in the flesh and called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, remember when David was getting ready to fight Goliath, he called Goliath this uncircumcised Gentile. That was a slanderous remark. We're the circumcised. We're the ones whom God has marked as his people. And so now what's going on in God's program of this dispensation of grace, of this stewardship of grace, of this responsibility that Paul has been given to communicate this message of grace is that none of that matters anymore as far as relationship with God goes. It carries no weight. It, it's irrelevant. So Paul writes, Therefore remember that you who are Gentiles in the flesh and called uncircumcised by the so-called circumcision, that would be the Jews. And Paul puts in parentheses, that done in the body by human hands. Remember, verse 12, remember that at that time you were, you were separate from Christ, that's the Gentiles, you were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, you were strangers to the covenants of the promise, and you, the Gentiles, were without hope and without God in the world. God had revealed himself to Abraham, and through Abraham, the nation of Israel came, he and Sarah, so God had revealed himself to the people of Israel who were to be a light to reveal the true God to the world. Now it says here, remember, remember Gentiles that at one time you were separate from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of the promise. A few of the words, if you want to go back sometimes and read in Exodus and, and read in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, the Gentiles are referred to in those books as foreigners as strangers, as aliens. But now something new is going on in the first century following this revelation of the gospel of grace to Paul. And what's going on is the terms foreigner and stranger and alien are being eliminated from the vocabulary of God for Israel. And now it's your fellow heirs with Israel, your fellow members of God's family, your fellow sharers in the promise. You're equal to, you're no longer, this is what it says here, you're no longer aliens, as it said in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Exodus. You're no longer strangers, as it said in Exodus and Deuteronomy and Leviticus. You're now part of God's family. You're equal with the Gentiles in God's family because of what Christ did on 
the cross. So Paul is undoing, not undoing, the fulfillment of Christ came and he's doing something different. And Paul's communicating this message to people. Doesn't seem like a big deal to us, but that's because we live in the 21st century. If we lived in the first century, it would be a really, really shock to our ears to hear what Paul is writing here. Paul goes on to write in verse 13, but now you Gentiles in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, that's the Gentiles, have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for Jesus himself is our peace. Jew and Gentile are now going to be at peace with one another when they had problems with each other for 1,500 years or, or more, dating back to the time of Abraham. But now in Christ Jesus, you Gentiles who were once far away have been brought near, close to God through the blood of Christ. Now that would be radical too. I mean, to, to, for a Jew to hear the Gentiles are now close to God without going through the law of Moses. That the Gentiles are in close relationship with God simply through the blood of Christ. That was a major, major key component of the mystery of this gospel that Jesus had given Paul. But now in Christ Jesus, you who are once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two, Jew and Gentile, one. So they were in separation for 1,500 years because of the law of Moses, but because of the cross of Christ, they're now in unification. They're being brought together. The law purposely created separation between Jew and Gentile to keep the Jews from marrying into the Gentile world and adopting the Gentile gods. God had to keep Israel to himself until Messiah came. And once the Messiah came and the cross came and the blood of Christ came, now he's bringing Jew and Gentile together as one family. For Jesus is our peace who has made the two one, Jew and Gentile now are one family, and he's torn down the dividing wall of hostility. That's the law of Moses. Remember in Acts 10, Peter wouldn't go to the Gentiles' house. I mean, this is years, you guys, after Jesus died on the cross. This is years after the resurrection. I, I don't have a date right now. I wish I would have looked it up. But this is years. So here's Peter, one, the, one of the disciples of Jesus, who still refuses to enter the home of a Gentile, who still refuses to eat the foods of Gentiles, and who is continuing to live according to the law of Moses. So in Acts 10, God gives Peter a vision that he can go into a Gentile's home and he can eat Gentile food. And he sends men from a Gentile's home to where Peter is staying to escort Peter back to the Gentile's home. And then the Gentiles come to faith in Christ. So this was a really difficult issue during this time that even Peter was having a hard time accepting. Paul's the one who was given the responsibility of communicating this to the world. Now, if you back up, we read a few minutes ago that 
This would be in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. And we're just going to look at verse 5 here. We'll start with verse 4, talking about this revelation that Christ gave Paul of Jew and Gentile in one body and the wall of hostility being removed, being taken away, being abolished. That would be the law of Moses. So Paul says in verse 4 of chapter 3, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, because he got it personally from Jesus, which was not made known to men. That would have been Peter, one of the men who this revelation was not made known to, would have been Peter, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles, that would be Peter and the rest, and prophets. If you want to mark right there, Acts chapter 10, that's when the Spirit revealed it to Peter. Because prior to Acts 10, Peter would still not enter a Gentile's home. He would not enter a Gentile's or he would not eat a Gentile's food, nor would he associate with the Gentiles. And we see that that was still a big problem for Peter in Galatians chapter 2. Even after this revelation by the Spirit to Peter, Peter was persuaded by those from Jerusalem not to spend time with the Gentiles. Paul writes about that in Galatians 2. He's given an example in Galatians 2 that Peter, at the church in Antioch, which was started in Acts 11, that sometimes way after the church was started, the men from Jerusalem came to the church in Antioch and persuaded Peter not to associate with the Gentiles. And so Paul, when he gets back to the church in Antioch, confronts Peter to his face for no longer associating with the Gentiles and only associating with the Jews. This was a really, really big issue during this time. Okay. So we're back in Ephesians 2, verses 11 through 22. Verse 14, For he, Jesus, is our peace, that's between Jew and Gentile, who has made the two one, that's Jew and Gentile, and has torn down the dividing wall of hostility, that's the law of Moses, and we looked at an example of Peter, how that was a wall of hostility that now has been torn down. The Spirit gave Peter this understanding, this revelation in Acts chapter 10 but Peter continued to struggle with it. But he's made the two one. Jesus has made the two one and has torn down the dividing wall of hostility. That's the law. By abolishing in his flesh, Jesus put an end in his flesh to the law of commandments and decrees or commandments and rules or commandments and regulations. That's not an easy message to communicate in that culture. I mean, it's kind of a difficult message to communicate now in our culture. I mean, when I communicate this message, people, well, they're ready to get me, and they, they don't want to stone me. They don't want to kill me. They just, oh, we've got to get him out of, out of this organization or out of this church or out of this ministry or out of this Bible study. For Paul, it's like, we've got to kill him. So he's asking for prayer. This was not an easy message to communicate then. It could cost Paul his life for sure. So Jesus abolished in his flesh the law of commandments. That would include the Ten Commandments. Paul teaches on morality to the Gentile churches, but he never breaks out the Ten Commandments to do so. 
He teaches on stealing and he teaches on lying and he teaches on adultery. But he doesn't do it in the form of the Ten Commandments. He never brings out the Ten Commandments to the Gentile churches. That would have really created even more confusion had he done that. Because then they'd been wanting to bring the Sabbath over and all all the other parts over. But the entire law was abolished. Everything was abolished in the death of Christ. Now, Jesus did this to create in himself, this is verse 15, one new man, one new family of grace out of the two, out of Jew and Gentile, thus making peace between them through what Christ did on the cross and reconciling both of them to God in one body through the cross, bringing Jew and Gentile together through the cross by which he extinguished their hostility. Verse 17, Jesus came and preached peace to you, that's the Gentiles who were far away, and peace to those who were near, that's the Jews. Verse 18, for through him, through Jesus, we, that's Jew and Gentile, both have access to the Father by one spirit. That's another big statement here. That through the spirit that indwells the believers, the spirit of Christ, we have direct access to God. That means prayer has nothing to do with a place, has nothing to do with a formula, has nothing to do with a spiritual practice. It's just a real relationship with God through the Spirit who lives in us, where we call God Abba Father. And you, if you want to make a note, you can write down Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, where Jesus was born under the law, redeemed people from the law, God sends the the Spirit of Jesus into our hearts, the Spirit who cries out, Abba, Father. So this love relationship with God as Father, that has nothing to do with Judaism, or the law, or a system, or structure, or requirements, or rules. It's, It's a loving relationship. Verse 19, therefore you, the Gentiles, are no longer strangers and foreigners, Those two words are lifted directly out of Leviticus. They're lifted directly out of Exodus. In Exodus, in Leviticus, those were common words that you would find. In Deuteronomy, no longer strangers and foreigners. They were strangers and foreigners in those books, but that was under the Old Covenant. That was under the Old Testament. A New Testament has come. A new covenant has come. The church is here now, made up of Jew and Gentile. And the Gentiles, there's that word again. Remember, we looked at this word fellow a while ago, fellow heirs, fellow members of one body, fellow sharers in the promises of Christ. Here it is again in chapter 2, verse 19. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, verse 20, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone, Jesus bringing Jew and Gentile together in one family is what cornerstone means there. Verse 21, in Jesus, the whole building, Jew and Gentiles together, this spiritual building is fitted together and grows into a holy temple to the Lord. Now what Paul is communicating here, it's not about the temple in Jerusalem anymore. I mean, that's another reason people wanted to kill Paul. He's he's saying now, no, it's not about the temple in Jerusalem anymore, this physical temple. There is a spiritual temple now made up of Jews and Gentiles. Now, remember in Jerusalem, 
the physical temple, the Gentiles couldn't even get close to it. There was a, a place marked out for them that they could get only so close, but they really couldn't go into the temple. It was trespassing for a Gentile to do that. So Paul is now saying there's a new temple. It's a spiritual temple made up of Jews and Gentiles. Now we know more. Oh, I understand now why Paul is asking the Ephesians to pray for him. Because he's really saying some things that most people had never heard and they didn't want to hear and they got angry at him when he said these things. But he wanted to be very clear and he wanted to be fearless in communicating them. Verse 21, in him, the whole building is fitted together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Verse 22 of Ephesians 2, and in Jesus, you two, Jew and Gentile together, are being built into a dwelling place for God by his spirit. God does not dwell in Jerusalem. God does not dwell in the temple. God dwells in the hearts of men, the hearts of women and boys and girls, and whom Christ dwells, and he, he assembles all of us together, and we become his holy temple. It's a spiritual temple. These are new words. Nobody had even heard anything like this until Paul began communicating this. And then they were ready to stone him to death, kill him. So we're seeking to understand why Paul would ask for prayer, that he would fearlessly communicate the mystery of the gospel. And we're discovering in Ephesians what the mystery of the gospel is. First, we discovered the mystery of the gospel is the revelation by Jesus to Paul about the gospel of grace that Paul was to take to the Gentiles and that Paul wrote about in Ephesians and in a few of his other letters. Second, we discovered the mystery of the gospel is the revelation by Jesus to Paul that Gentiles are equal members of God's family of grace with the Jews which Paul writes about in Ephesians 3, 6 through 11. We just looked at that in Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, and we looked at that. So let's continue to examine from Ephesians what the mystery of the gospel is, which is why Paul is asking the Ephesians through this letter that they would pray for him. Number three is the mystery of the gospel is the revelation by Jesus to Paul to take the riches of grace to the Gentiles which Paul writes about in Ephesians 3, 7 through 11. So he's been writing about the mystery in Ephesians 3, 1 through 6. So we're picking up on this mystery in Ephesians 3, 7 through 11. And he writes in verse 7 of chapter 3, I became a servant of this gospel. What's the gospel he's referring to there? It's the gospel that Jew and Gentiles are now together in one body, that the Gentiles are equal with the Jewish people. They're shares together in the person of Christ and in the promises of Christ. There, there is no division anymore. They're not called strangers anymore. They're not called aliens anymore. They're not called foreigners anymore. They're now called your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ, your co-equals together with Christ. So Paul says, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. And in verse 8, he says, though I am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable 
riches of Christ and to illuminate for everyone the stewardship of, here's this word again, mystery, this mystery, to make it clear to everybody, to help everybody understand that, that God has a new family called the family of grace, that the law has been abolished, the dividing wall of hostility has come to an end, Judaism has come to an end. And this new family of grace exists where Jew and Gentile is in one family. And then to help the Gentiles understand more fully what Christ did for them, which we can read about in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2, this salvation by grace through faith. So Paul wanted to help the Gentiles. That was the mission that Jesus sent him on to communicate this message of grace. This grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to illuminate, to make known, to make clear, to bring to light, to bring out of the darkness and into the light the stewardship of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. So this mystery was for ages concealed in the heart of God. You can't go back into Isaiah and Jeremiah and Daniel and Proverbs or Psalms to find that God was going to create a new family on earth called the church, where, where Jews and Gentiles would come to faith in Christ and they would be part of one family and they would be a spiritual temple, and that the law would be abolished. Um, we knew that the new covenant was coming. That would not be like the old covenant. So that was known that the law was going to go away and the new covenant was going to come. But the idea of Jew and Gentile being equal together in the body of Christ was kept hidden in God. It was a mystery until it was revealed to Paul. Then, until it was revealed by the Spirit to the apostles, such as Peter. Verse 10, God's purpose was that now through the church, the Greek word for church simply means ones who have been called out of where they were into a new group, into a new gathering. Uh, the Greek word for church could be a mob. It could be a, a rioting mob, an assembly, a gathering or it can be an assembly of believers in Christ. It, it's God was creating a new assembly, a, a new gathering, a new group from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Through faith in Christ, they would become one family of grace. So God's purpose in revealing this mystery was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. We've looked at that in some other studies. According to the eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So what was a new revelation for the people of the first century was in eternity past, always in the heart of God. So it wasn't anything new to God. It was new to Paul, and it was new to the people whom Paul was communicating it to, but it was always a part of the plan of God. And Paul was the one who was responsible. The stewardship 
of the gospel of grace. He had the responsibility to clearly communicate it to people, and he's asking the Ephesian believers to pray for him, that he would communicate it clearly and he would communicate it fearlessly. So Paul's, part of Paul's ministry was to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. So what are the unsearchable riches of Christ? Well, Paul goes over those in Ephesians 1 through 2. So I'm just going to read a summary of Ephesians 1 through 2. It's what we've talked about in nearly all 32 of our previous teachings on Ephesians, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So I'm just going to summarize it. What are the unsearchable riches of Christ uh, in Ephesians 1 through 2? Well, God predetermined, that's he chose, that through Christ... And so God predetermined before time began. He chose before time began. God predetermined before time began that through Jesus, he would bring the Jews and Gentiles together in one family of grace, which we call the church, which is the ecclesia in the Greek language. And the church would not include the law of Moses. It would be a group of people where the law was abolished. So Paul was just trying to tell people, listen, what I'm communicating was always in the heart of God. I'm just responsible to communicate it to you. So God predetermined that through Jesus, he would bring the Jews and Gentiles together in one family of grace apart from the law of Moses. Through faith in Jesus, Jews and Gentiles would become equal members of God's worldwide spiritual family of grace, with each member being fully forgiven and totally accepted by God completely holy and blameless before God. That's a heart that's been cleansed of sin, holy, blameless, is our sin record has been cleared eternally through what Christ did on the cross. So through faith in Jesus, Jews and Gentiles would become equal members of God's worldwide family of grace with each member being fully forgiven and totally accepted by God, completely holy and blameless before God and loved daughters and sons of God where we have direct access to God, that's Ephesians 2.18, and where we relate to him in freedom and confidence, that's Ephesians 3.12, freedom and confidence, Ephesians 3.12. Being fully forgiven, totally accepted, completely holy and blameless before God, this predetermined plan, that's in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 10, all right? Through faith in Jesus, we've been made alive with Christ. We're moving now into Ephesians 2. We've been raised with Christ. We've been seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And additionally, through faith in Jesus, we've been rescued from the wrath of God. That's Ephesians 2. When he removes all sin and sinners from the earth as he establishes his righteous kingdom on earth. All right, if you just want to write down Matthew 13, 40 through 43 and 49. That's the removal where Jesus says of all sin and all sinners from the earth in moving toward this establishment of his kingdom and ultimately to the new heaven and the new earth. And it's after the kingdom is established that over time, the removal of sin and sinners from the earth will happen according to the words of Jesus in Matthew 13, 40 through 43 and 49. I talk a lot about this predetermined plan and being saved by grace from the wrath to come. If you happen to be listening to this or watching it 
on video. You can go to my teaching on Ephesians number 11. Just search Grace Reach Podcast with Brad Robertson. Look for Ephesians number 11. And I talk about being saved by grace from the wrath to come and from spiritual death in Ephesians 2. But we're summarizing what are these unsearchable riches of Christ that Paul was given to take to the Gentiles. So through faith in Jesus, we've been made alive with Christ, raised with Christ, seated with Christ in the heavenlies. Additionally, through faith in Jesus, we've been rescued from the wrath of God when he removes all sins and sinners from the earth as he establishes his righteous kingdom on earth. When God brings everything together under the leadership of Christ, that's Ephesians 1, 9 and 10, under the leadership of Christ. This kingdom that's going to be established, ultimately becoming the new earth, there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering, no more tears. There will be only righteousness, only love, only joy, only peace that exists on the earth when ultimately this new earth is established. Now, Paul's prayer was for the Gentiles to have an inner awakening to all that is theirs in Christ, the unsearchable riches of Christ. So Paul wanted the Gentiles to have an inner awakening to all that is theirs in Christ, to his grace. That's Ephesians 1, 15 through 23. Also, Paul's prayer for the Gentiles was for the Spirit to give them a deeper revelation of the life of Christ in them and the love of Christ for them so they could experience his power working in them. That's Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. So all of God's predetermined plan is called grace. Grace is the unconditional love of God revealed to us in Jesus. It's the unmerited kindness of God revealed to us in Jesus, the unearned spiritual blessings of God flowing to us through Jesus. Then through faith in Jesus, we access this grace and we enjoy this grace when we place our faith in Jesus. And we've talked about that in all these teachings on Ephesians. So if somebody hasn't heard all these or you're just listening to this, maybe this teaching for the first time or watching it on video, you can go back and you can can listen to all of these teachings on the riches of God's grace freely given us in Christ. So let's finish up with this final question. Why was Paul proclaiming the mystery of the gospel? Why was this a dangerous message for Paul, causing his very life to be at risk, prompting him to ask for prayer? Remember, we're we're looking at Ephesians 6.18. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me. So he wanted to do it clearly. Words may be given me so that I would fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. So the law of Moses had been in existence for 1,500 years and was now being replaced by grace, one new family of grace. Paul was given the responsibility by the ascended Jesus to declare this message, which put his life in great danger. So I think from the study, we have a deeper understanding of why Paul is making this request of the believers in Ephesus to pray for him, because he wanted to be clear in what he communicated, and he needed to be fearless in what he communicated, because he was given this responsibility by Jesus to to bring it to light so that everyone could understand it.
I hope that is helpful for you. I, I think it is. I know it was for me as I studied this and uh, gives us a greater appreciation for uh, the prayer that Paul requested the Ephesians people to pray for him. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to this teaching today. If you enjoy these teachings, you may also enjoy the resources on my website, gracereach.org, and you may also enjoy my books, which are available on Amazon. I also have a YouTube channel and a Facebook page, and you can find the links to all my resources and the details of this podcast teaching. If you'd like to support my ministry in reaching more and more people with the good news of God's grace and teaching more and more people about His grace, click the Donate button on the Grace Reach website, again, which is gracereach.org. Hey, thank you guys so much for listening to this teaching today. I pray that through these teachings, you are understanding the Bible more fully and you're understanding God's grace more clearly. Have a great day.